Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Hello, Guilty Feminist. This is Deborah. There's nothing I enjoy more than recording live episodes of The Guilty Feminist. It's so wonderful to be back out on stage meeting you all and sharing our hypocrisies and insecurities once again, as well as our noble goals. We've been doing this show for seven years now, over 350 episodes, and there's a lot in our back catalogue that you've never heard or forgotten. So once in a while, we're going to use this regular Monday slot to give you a little look back in time. I've asked various Guilty Feminist regulars to cast their minds back over the shows they've been in and the shows they've enjoyed listening to and pick some favourite moments to relive. This week, it's the turn of Alison Spittle. Take it away with the feminism, Alison. Hello, Guilty Feminist listeners. It's me, Alison Spittle. Um, I'm very excited to present to you a best of... uh, me uh, on the guilty feminist. It's very. It feels very. I mean, I could feel the sides of my mouth already uh, sliding across the side of my face when I said "best of me" because uh, <laughs> because I'm weird and I can't take anything seriously. 
So this is a compilation of me. And it feels very weird to have a compilation of yourself. I've been with Guilty Feminist a long time. I mean, I was a guest when when there were two presenters, when when Sophie Hagen and Deborah Francis White were presented it together. Uh, that's how long I've been there. And um, it was very strange for me the first time that I went on The Guilty Feminist, I think because uh, podcasts were very, very, they were in their infancy, you know, and now there's so many podcasts. I mean, I've got two. <laughs> and... Uh, what I was just very excited about being on it because it was like uh, in London and I hadn't really gigged that much in London before. And the reason why I was on The Guilty Feminist was to talk about, um, well, I was, I am a comedian, I was a comedian, uh, but I did an article about uh, street harassment, which was a thing that stuck with me uh, for a while because it was the type of street harassment I used to get was where people wanted to tell me that I was ugly which was like a very strange feeling to deal with when you're in your adulthood because it just felt like you're in school again or something and it felt very weird and I I did an article about it and then I talked about it on The Guilty Feminist and uh, it's strange because to listen back to that I don't really get um, street harassment anymore and I don't know why. I wonder if, if it's like people have gotten nicer um is it because I'm older and maybe I'm a bit more confident I don't know um and it was strange kind of listening back to this bit because I can hear myself trying to be funny but I can also hear myself you know quite sad <laughs> and traumatized and stuff and I just I feel good that I don't really feel that way anymore yeah but here have a listen and number one, because I'm a fat girl, right, I always felt like I took up too much space, like, physically. So, like, if a guy was sitting beside me on the bus, I would, like, tuck my legs in and make sure make sure it was as neat. Like, like <laughs> I would be like I was trying to be on a ship going to America or something like that and being as small <laughs> as possible, like a sardine, <laughs> like, palatable for this guy. And then the guy just sits with his legs wide open. <laughs> and, you know, I felt really weird. But I think um, public space... I've always tried to be shy and quiet and stuff. And I did this article. I'll talk about the time anyway I reclaimed it. So this guy, <laughs> this this absolute dickhead, right? I was in a Dublin airport and I was walking. And this guy was walking into me and he wasn't moving. And I, he got his finger and he just put it on my chest and pushed me to the side and continued walking. <laughs> yeah, I told you he was a dickhead. No. I told you. Was he, yeah. was he wearing a suit? No. In my he, head, he's wearing a suit. No, he was wearing a flat cap. He looked like a right arsehole, so he did. <laughs> um, and he was working for a taxi company. So he had to stand there at arrivals with a little piece of paper saying, such and such, you know, I'm here to pick you up. So I got really angry and I turned around and I found him. And I just said, do, do you know what you just did there? And he's like, yeah, you wouldn't move out of the way, love. And I said, look, you, you know right to touch me. And he got really, really angry with me. And he was saying, like, there's no danger of anyone touching you anyway. And then... (laughs) Fuck him. I know, I know. But he was very surprised that I turned around to go back to him. I felt like somehow I had won because he was just... I mean, if you're scared or something, you kind of, like, analyse. Would anyone want to fuck that person? 
oh, okay, I'll tell them. You know, like, <laughs> they've lost the argument already if you're bringing it into that. So, uh, yeah, I felt, felt kind of good about it, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, thank you. I used to be really shy, and I used to take a lot of abuse off people on the street because I just felt like I deserved it because I happened to be fat. So I was like, well, this is just part of what I am. And uh, I wrote this article, and people were really nice, and I got, like, I got so many tweet mentions that my phone couldn't keep up, and I, I felt like I was Lady Gaga for a day. Ah. <laughs> I was like, no wonder she doesn't reply to people all the time, you know? You said in the article you like to wear bright clothes. Why is that? Well, basically, I, I would wear anything that I wanted because I didn't care. Wearing black clothes, I think, is like a lie. It's just trying to say you work in a bookies or something like that, or, you know... <laughs> That's two types of fat girl clothing is bookies or uh, flower childs. And I went for the flower child option. People would tell me like how good I would look if I was looking thinner. And they'd go, you know, or they'd say, oh, you'd look really great. You know, Alison, you've got such a beautiful face. And when you lose weight, you're going to be beautiful and stuff. They were saying this to me when I was a teenager. And this is like my aunts. They were mean and well. They were mean and well. But I felt like I was a thing already. And I'm sick of like people telling me what the potential is when I was already something. So I I kind of just wore what I liked like silly garish tights just anything I wanted to because as well as that I didn't want to be attractive to men and I think that pissed some, a lot of men off but I would like walk across the Haypenny Bridge in Dublin and I would hear the words fat bitch whispered into my ear and like these lads would walk past and I'd look back behind me I'm so I am a comedian I'm so sorry <laughs> this does sound like <laughs> I wish I could jazz it up a bit. you know they did jazz hands after the left but um, yeah I, I'm, so I just kind of wear what I like and I feel that I'm, I feel that some people don't like that and I give out to myself as well I shouldn't be so short I shouldn't look so happy that type of thing <laughs> so I really I do give out to myself for looking happy or confident and I just wish I could tell the people like I look confident because I'm listening to Kanye West at the moment okay <laughs> my, my self esteem is low already buddy you don't have to worry I feel like sometimes they're just reminding me hey I love doing I'm a feminist butts like that's one of my favorite things. I think it's because there's rules and structure. You have to write a joke that starts off with the same sentence all the time. And look, sometimes it can be hard because there's so many to write. Um, but what I love doing is like when I'm with Deborah, I feel like you can kind of break the rules a bit because uh, she's so good to bounce off. I think me and Deborah are good to bounce off each other because we were brought up, well, she was brought up uh, Jehovah's Witness and I was brought up Catholic. And uh, we get a lot of mileage out of that. You'll notice throughout the show as well that there are only two men in my life that I love. And that is uh, Jesus Christ and Mr. Tato. Well, when I say love, I mean have conflicting feelings. <laughs> I find them attractive and I know I shouldn't, you know. Um, yeah, it's ever so strange uh, hearing myself because I definitely don't hold the same opinions on feminism that I did seven years ago. I'm not even going to tell you that my opinions now are, are better than they were. I just know that they're different and it's uh, it's very weird to hear yourself and like... 
what's been great about doing the Guilty Feminist is like meeting so many different people, getting my mind changed about stuff, just learning, learning. And I think that's the thing I love about the Guilty Feminist listeners and uh, the ethos of it is like, we're all just trying and uh, it's great to, yeah, it's great to try. I'm a feminist, but when I appeared on the Irish TV programme Big Week on the Farm, it's the equivalent of Top Gear except about farms. (laughs) 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 That's actually true. (laughs) That's actually true. Top Farm. Yeah, do you know the way they have like Star in a reasonably priced car? Yeah. They had minor celebrity milking a cow. So I'm delighted that I'm up to that level in Ireland. Yeah. Um, so I did you have to milk a cow? I had to milk a cow for a minute. Um, I only got 70 uh, milliliters out of the cow, which is enough to fill a UHT carton of milk that you get in hotels. Um, so it wasn't a good look, right? But. Do you know the way they have... They, you don't know the way because you live in England. <laughs> they have a leaderboard and you can win a special golden udder if you if you win that week. Wow. I know. I know. There's a comedian that got nearly half a litre out of the cow. I don't know how he did it. He's amazing. But I only got 70 milliliters. But I looked on the leaderboard. I was in the middle, but I had beaten a model and I took that as a victory. Uh, Always. So I'm a bad feminist in that way. I was like, Mm, she may have a modeling career but I got five more milliliters of milk out of that cow (laughs) I'm a feminist but while on big week on the farm when I only managed to milk 70 milliliters the farmer said the cow must have had dry teats But the real reason that I did badly was because I was very aware of what milking a cow looked like and I wanted to stay demure. (laughs) So so I teach shamed that cow for my dignity. (laughs) I'm a feminist, but... I like using misogynist swear words and I'm trying to stop. (laughs) So, like, biatch. Yeah. It's a good word, though. Good word. Oh, it's so percussive. Sometimes you just want to go, what's up, bitches? Yeah. You don't, you shouldn't. (laughs) Don't. So I really like the word motherfucker. Mm, Me too. Me too. It's just like a nice... Lovely. It sounds like a jelly. You know, (laughs) motherfucker. You know, it's... Jovial. It's a jovial, jovial swear word, right? And I was like, that's not very nice about mums, you know? So I thought of thinking of a different word to describe motherfucker, <laughs> such as trucker fucker. Nice. That's gender neutral as well, you know? Yeah. Truckers can be men, men or women or anything. Yeah, yeah, non-binary, yeah. Non-binary, yeah. Um, <laughs> but... I've come up with a proper word for it now. It's called Matt. (laughs) And uh, that's my mum's partner. (laughs) Matt. Matt. He's a motherfucker. (laughs) 
Does he listen to your work? No, he does. Do you think, sorry, do you think Matt, a trucker from the middle of Ireland, listens to the guilty feminists? He might if you're on, Alison. <laughs> if his stepdaughter's on, I think he would. I'm a feminist, but I got my eyelashes tinted at an airport. <laughs> and, and I feel 20% more capable of being loved. I just feel more worthy of it, Deborah. It's, do you know? That is entirely understandable to me, and I feel terrible for admitting that. Yeah, I do. But I know exactly what you mean by that. Like, yeah. I just looked in the mirror and was like, don't take anything off anyone, Alison. Not with those eyelashes. <laughs> Did you feel like Jolene in the song Jolene? Yeah, I was seducing myself away from my shitty life. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but all my favourite Taylor Swift songs are misogynist, I've realised. I don't like her songs where she calls out her exes. I like the ones where she's being passive-aggressive about other women in the industry. Because <laughs> I really relate to it. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but... The fashion accessory that made me feel most empowered this year was the large uh, inflatable penis I had to carry after a hen night. <laughs> uh, we might need to know more. About the penis? Yes, just... <laughs> oh, it was, uh, I went to a hen party in Butlins, which is the best place to have a hen party. I knew there'd be more. I was pretty sure there'd be more. Yeah. Yep. We went to see a band called Boys Life, which is... <laughs> A super group. Uh, just imagine the best members of Westlife and the best members of Boyzone stayed at home and uh, <laughs> Brian McFadden and Keith Duffy combined together <laughs> to make up Boys Life. Alison, you, yep. you make me want to get married again just so you can organise my hen night. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but last night someone told me about a sex party at a music festival and instead of saying, wow, how sex positive, I said, that is revolting. None of them would have had a shower. Yeah. Really, though, would you want to have sex with anyone at a festival? I know people do hook up at festivals, just yeah. ignoring the fact that both of them have been rolling around in mud and not queued for the most disgusting loo in the world and all of that. I'm like, do you want to hear a disgusting 100% no. festival story? Sure. I, uh, so I was about 17, right? And I was at a, a festival called Oxygen Music Festival, which was genuinely like Nam uh, for 16-year-olds, right? And uh, I, like, it was so bad, I caught trench foot, right? Oh! At that, like, I caught a disease you get in World War One, like <laughs> 20 miles outside of Dublin, right? So that was... Oh my God. <laughs> I thought it'd be fun to have a mud fight with my friend because I'd watched, like, uh, MTV. <laughs> and uh, we were having this fight in the mud and, like, absolutely caked each other in mud. And uh, we realised that there was a broken toilet. Uh, oh. Raw sewage. Oh, shit. Raw sewage. No shower, right? Lost my wellies. Still got a boyfriend, though, right? Someone asked me out. He asked me out, and then he asked for a hand job, and I said no. So he broke up with me then. But 
genuinely, I was like, after, I was like traumatized, right? I had my really heart broken traumatized. for the first time, but yeah. felt pretty good about myself. Uh, I'm a feminist, but I went to Vienna this week, right? That's, that's not unfeminist, but um, <laughs> I'm a feminist, but I went to Vienna this week and I saw a painting of uh, Jesus Christ ascending to heaven, right? And I looked at it and uh, I thought his waist looked really good. <laughs> And I wish I had a waist like Jesus. <laughs> I looked at him and I thought, you'd spend hundreds of pounds, uh, you know, getting shapewear made by Kim Kardashian to look like that. And all he's done has been crucified for it. <laughs> um, I thought Jesus was cinched to the gods. <laughs> I'm, I'm ashamed to say that, but yeah, I did look at that painting. I was like, it is a beautiful work of art, but he's looking good. <laughs> you know? I just, I just, I don't know. I, no, I, no. I'm just always surprised that I'm attracted to Jesus. I'm not. I keep forgetting. I think about your childhood. I'm surprised you're attracted to anyone else. I know. <laughs> yeah, he, he was like my, my, you know. Did you ever think about becoming a nun and being a bride of Christ? Yeah, I did. Of course I did. Yeah. <laughs> I was more emphatic than I thought it was going to be. Like, some people want to be princesses. I genuinely, like the clothes that the nuns wear, the authority. I loved it. Like, you know. You would have been a great Mother Superior. I would have been a horrible Mother Superior. No, you wouldn't. You would have been absolutely charming and delightful. But I think you would have known when to say when. I don't know. I think I would have inflicted quite a lot of hurt if I was a Mother <laughs> Superior. Do you know when you just know and you're like, that's not for me? Uh, <laughs> I'm a feminist, but when listening to someone uh, speak openly about their trouble with binging, I googled ice cream nearby. <laughs> was inspired <laughs> and it really was a low point and I was like I really fancy ice cream right now <laughs> I'm a feminist but I'm a bit sad that the 8th has been repealed right uh, yeah I know Bec it's a guilty feminist, okay? Um, I'm a feminist, but I'm a bit sad the age has been repealed because it's nice to be able to pinpoint what the source of your low hum of anger is. <laughs> you know? <laughs> now, now I have it, and I'm like, oh, what, what's wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a feminist and from the Republic of Ireland but I find the Northern Irish Mr. Tato more rideable <laughs> this may need to be unpacked for our global listeners <laughs> who will not understand any of the words any of the words. Mr. Tato, just to be clear. Yeah, I'll give you a background. So, 800 years ago... <laughs> I'm sorry. It's like, I just love being on this island. <laughs> I 
I swear to God. Okay, so this is... I, I went to Sainsbury's the other week and there's the ethnic food aisle in Sainsbury's and there's an Irish section of... Uh, and they have... Now, there's no licence to sell Republic of Ireland Tato in England, so you only get the Northern Irish ones. So I've been developing the horn for a while. But... But... And I'll explain it for the people that are not at home in a second. Yeah. But when I lived in Ireland, could not give a fiddler's about TK Red Lemonade, right? Even if it was offered as a mixer for free, I'd be like, no, I'd drink it straight. Like... <laughs> but now, if I walk up to TK Red Lemonade, just under the biscuits that look like fannies, um, <laughs> we know the ones. In Australia, we call those iced vovos. Iced vovos. Yeah, which does sound a little vaginal. We call them uh, digestives. Uh, <laughs> no, you don't. Digestives are those no. plain ones. What if your vagina looks like a digestive, you need to go to the doctor. <laughs> like, what are the what are the ones that we call iced vovos? Kimberly Macado coconut. Yeah. So. Do you know what? There's three different biscuits and I just know them all as Kimberly Mikado coconut creams. <laughs> I can never... It's like the Son, the Father and the Holy Spirit. You can't separate them. You can't. Sorry. So... <laughs> back to the thing, right? What was the thing? It makes about me... how you fancy Mr. Tato, but the Northern Irish No, Mr. just the Tato. Northern Irish one, because, like, the Republic of Ireland one, I believe you call it Free Stato here. <laughs> I've heard... So, free state is like a thing that Northern Irish. I'll tell you later. So, I'll tell you. You always do this to me. I'm whenever so sorry. We, whenever we do a show together in Dublin, all of the jokes are jokes about how funny it is that I don't understand the jokes. <laughs> but here's where I'm coming from with the tail thing, right? So. The Republic of Ireland, Mr. Tato, he's just a yellow blob, right? With eyes and a suit. He basically looks like a potato going to court, right? <laughs> but the Northern Irish Tato, he's got features. <laughs> he's got a nose. He's got a chin. He's got a jaw. <laughs> he looks like Shrek as a human. Do you remember that? I found him hot as well. <laughs> just say, Mr. Tato is the brand of crisps here. He is chips, a, a brand chips. of crisps. Yeah. He's also our god. Uh, <laughs> there's a Ireland's only uh, fun fair, not fun fair, uh, theme park. We only have one theme park and it's... Uh, <laughs> what is that theme park? In County Mead. Tato Land, isn't that what it's called? Tato Park. I'm sorry, I got it wrong. Tato Park. It's, it's basically, not. it's like Disneyland. You know the way they got Mickey Mouse? We've got a big spud. That's not true, is it? It is. No, I swear on my life, I swear on my life. That's the only, Ireland's only theme Tato park. Tato Park? Yeah, Tato Park. I feel like you're all in on this. <laughs> it's a genuine thing, is it? Tato Park? Yeah. What's well, a potato theme park? Yeah. Where is it? Mead. You can get a big stick with a spiralised potato on it. It's like our version of Candy Floss. Um, they have a petting zoo there. Uh, very bad record, though, for animal rights. Oh, my God. I'm letting you know all about it. Because they think they're getting free advertising. I'll tell it all. Like... <laughs> So anyway, that's, that's basically what I'm yeah. trying to say, um, is that I want to ride a potato in a suit.
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, Guilty Feminists, this is Deborah. We've got some shows coming up at Soho Theatre on the 30th of May and the 31st of May. Co-hosts and guests include Chloe Petz, Laura Lex, Sarah Keyworth and sketch group Egg. We're also at King's Place on the 5th of June, the 22nd of June and the 24th of July. Co-hosts and guests to be announced. For tickets, go to guiltyfeminist.com and click on live shows. My play, Never Have I Ever, is at Chichester Festival Theatre on the 1st of September, and tickets are on sale now, going fast. Go to cft.org.uk and look for Never Have I Ever. And on the 21st of August, there'll be a special episode of the Guilty Feminist podcast there, live from Chichester. Also, you can join our Patreon to get ad-free episodes and to support the show. Please go to Apple Podcasts and review us. You can review any episode that you liked. If you've reviewed us before, you can review us again, but please give us five stars. It helps other people find the podcast. Or you could tell someone you know who might enjoy the show on a WhatsApp or with your face. And now, back to the podcast. Here are some bits from me being on tour with the Guilty Feminist. Being on tour with the Guilty Feminist is actually like the most enjoyable bit of it like going to a different town staying in a hotel with a bath in it oh I love that because <laughs> I don't have a bath at home so whenever I go on tour with the Guilty Feminist I get myself my nicest bath bombs I've been bought for Christmas from people who don't know that I don't have a bath and uh, I'll have a great time one of the best things though is meeting people that are some of my best friends now like uh, genuinely people that have appeared on The Guilty Feminist, just amazing comedians. Um, you know, people that have helped me transition in regards to moving from Ireland to London and being so kind to me. Also just being around people that I respect, like some of the comedians on tour, I just can't get over how good they are. And um, it's just an honour to share a stage with them, really. And it's an, yeah, it is. It's an honour to share a stage with them. God, I'm being actually uh, <laughs> sincere. Eh? Hello. Hello, Anson Spittle. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm excited. I had a nap. 
So I'm feeling good. Do you know, I had a nap as well, and mm. I woke up, I felt quite disoriented, but I've turned it around. What I did is I had two feminist cupcakes, and I don't know if there's a little bit of cocaine in there. <laughs> it would make sense for feminism, because it just gives you energy you didn't know you needed until you got it. Please don't do cocaine. I'm just saying, if it was hidden in a cupcake and you didn't know, they said everything was in them. What? <laughs> possible I'm still napping and I'm yeah. dreaming this whole scenario it's like feminist holy communion you know except instead of Jesus he got cocaine you know <laughs> this is the body of cocaine <laughs> I think in a way what Jesus body must have a bit of a zing to it oh definitely yeah I mean have you seen him he's a good-looking lad he's very ripped up there on that cross you know I, see, Alison, I'd like to get invited back to Belfast. <laughs> and I think if you go in with that immediately, <laughs> with how horny you are for Jesus... I grew, I grew up it. Catholic, right? It was either him or Aaron Carter, right? <laughs> I wanted a real man. So. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Do you think there are young women who fancy Jesus? you I was one of them did you really fancy Jesus have you okay incredible hair right <laughs> genuinely he looks like Jonathan Van Ness doesn't he yeah I suppose so he is charismatic he's charismatic in a gang of 12 guys around him you know could turn any party into a session just you know? very charming to women he's probably the only character in the bible who's not a misogynist in some way or another who just says let's hang out with the women exactly and, and also when he came back when he was resurrected who did he go and see the disciples no he went to see women and then they went back and said to the disciples we've just seen Jesus and they've said no you haven't if he came back he'd have come back and spoken to us and they went well <laughs> turns out he didn't love you the most Peter fuck you <laughs> And then Peter denied Christ all over the fucking shop. Constant denying of Christ. Who's your favourite apostle? Like, if it's a Pokemon, do you know, you've got to catch them all. <laughs> I like... um, I, do you know all the names? Thomas. Andrew, Peter, James and John. Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas. James, Judas, Judas... No, John, And Ringo. Judas, <laughs> James. These are the 12 apostles' names. I got a bit confused at the end there, but as specified, I have had a nap. You've out-Christianed me, fair play. Oh, the Jehovah's Witnesses know so much more than anybody about the Bible. <laughs> I mean, if we could turn this into a Bible quiz... Oh, you'd win, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd take you and any Catholic in this room on. <laughs> were you in denial about your sexuality when you were a young Catholic girl, like, teen? Did you kind of feel you had to suppress the feelings? You're yeah straight as far as I know yeah yeah I don't yeah. want to impose straightness on you no you're fine <laughs> <laughs> um, but like when you first had sexual feelings because presumably oh, it yeah. wasn't okay yeah it wasn't my mother had a VHS tape of the Peter MacDonald directed hard hitting drama called the Magdalene Sisters which uh, for anyone that I heard a few Irish people there um, <laughs> it's uh, basically this uh, drama about uh, women in the 60s that were sexually active and then imprisoned and enslaved by the Catholic Church in Ireland so yeah sexuality was a bit hard I consider myself to be a frigid do you know what that is frigid frigid yeah my nickname in school was Saint Frigid um, 
patron saint of cock blocking. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was my favourite thing to do when I was in school, was to prevent lads from shifting my friends. Uh, shifting is kissing, by the way. So that's what I would do. And were you yourself shifting oh. f- five boys a night in a nightclub? Can I be honest? Six. My, sorry, sorry. <laughs> okay. Sorry. When my first shift, which is like kissing experience, happened with four lads. Um, what? Yeah. The first time you ever kissed anyone, it was an orgy. Do you want me to tell? Okay. Okay. So, so what happened was I actually was watching the Magdalene Sisters on VHS tape. Um, <laughs> with my friend and four lads and my friend was very good at like shifting and the lads were all mad to shift her I hadn't had my first shift yet and I was eating curry cheese chips at the time and she paused the telly and she said to the lads lads I know why you're here and don't worry it's going to happen but Alison over here hasn't had her first shift yet uh, so she was like the mother trees of shifts she she basically donated a shift oh yeah she told the lads if you want to shift me you're going to have to shift through Alison first in Australia we called it pashing pashing Pashing. I love that and if you kiss somebody who hadn't shaved and you got you know that little prickle that was called pash rash oh that's good true that's right hello Salford how are you I've put um, makeup concealer on my stomach for you today. <laughs> I know, I got a mosquito bite. I got a mosquito bite. I react quite badly to them, you know, physically, uh, emotionally quite well. It makes me feel wanted, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, I am tasty. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, give me a shout here who's on long term contraception. That's a good lot of you. That's good. That's all right. I, mean, I don't know. That's not actually. Do it again. I'm thinking you're you're enthusiastic because you know you're on contraception, but that's like that's about a quarter of you, isn't it? I would say. What are we, Salford? Are we a big pull-out town here? Are we? Huh? Yeah. Let Jesus save it. Yeah. He can't be there all the time, and it's not good. You hope he's got the snip. <laughs> oh, was that on like the was that on the third day when he came out the cave? <laughs> and he's like, I'm back, I'm resurrected, and also got a vasectomy, baby. <laughs> Brilliant, yeah. Um, so, um, I, uh, I, I've, I've, I have a weird relationship with contraception in general. I had my uh, first ever uh, pregnancy scare there a while back. Um, you might be, uh, you might be thinking, oh, how did you get that, Alison? Um, I paid attention to my menstrual cycle. Uh, before that, free and easy, baby. Didn't know, didn't know when it was coming. Didn't know when I was in danger or anything like that. And I'll talk to you about like um, my life. And <laughs> someone laughed a bit hard at that. I like that. Um, I talked about my life. Like my friend uh, Fern, right? She's a comedian, and uh, she's really, really successful. And she's my mate, and I really love her. But like, she's become so successful now that I kind of like look to her for advice and stuff. And I remember like because she's got a mortgage and stuff like that you know so I remember like one day I was like Fern like how have you like improved your life and um 
you know, she said to me, Alison, uh, do you track your periods? Have you got a period tracker app? And I was thinking, I don't know how this is going to help me get a mortgage, but I'm willing to give it a go. I think it could, though. I think it could in a way. Like, imagine, right? You're a bank manager, and you're sitting there at your big desk with a big, you know, chair behind you, and you've got two people sitting in front of you. you got, you know, a successful comedian who knows where their next period is coming from sitting here. <laughs> and in the other chair, you've got a self-employed clown that's free-bleeding all over the office. <laughs> you know... I'm not Alan Sugar, but I would, you know, <laughs> I would go, I would give, I would give the mortgage to that person. Like, that's what I would do. That's what I would do. So um, I, I got this period tracker app. It's called the iCal app. Um, it's got a little cat on it, right? Because women love cats. And uh, we got some users over here. Beautiful. And um, I, 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 I was happy with that at first, you know. Um, it felt a bit weird to me as a Catholic, ex-Catholic, actually. It's weird. I'll tell you about this, right? I'm ex-Catholic and also mentally ill. And uh, I don't know if they're connected. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like... Sometimes I'll get a thought in my head and I have to stop myself and I'm like, Alison, listen to yourself now. Is this mental illness or is this residual Catholicism? <laughs> like, yeah. I can't tell the difference. I can't. But I still love a candle. So, you know. <laughs> I genuinely think they will solve my problems. I'm like, light a candle. It'll be fine. Um, <laughs> So this little iCal app, so me being a Catholic, it feels weird to me to, to come constantly to this authority figure with, you know, I'm almost confessing. It's almost like Catholic confession. You're going up to the cat and going, dear cat, it's been two weeks since my last period. <laughs> and the cat will look at you and go, go on, my child, that's perfectly healthy, right? You know, and it just feels weird to have an app that reads your periods, you know, like, well, not read, not like, it's not like they're tea leaves or anything like that, like, you... God, imagine having that job, huh? You have to go to the doctor. I predict you have a doctor's visit very soon. Like, that's the way it would be. So, um, this cat, anyway, I'll get back to it. Um, I hadn't had a period for about three months. And the cat had gone from smiling to looking more and more worried for me. <laughs> Until eventually it was scratching at the screen going, please get a test, please. <laughs> I cannot help you. Um, so I was like, okay, okay, right. So um, I, I got myself the, the clear blue digital pregnancy test, which is an incredible piece of equipment. It, it, it's the most expensive one on the market. I felt by spending the most money on something, it would give me the result I wanted. Do you know what I mean? I was like, this is a financial investment. <laughs> so... And if you've ever seen the Clear Blue Digital, it's like got like a, it tells you how far along pregnant you are. It's got amazing curves. It's an incredible piece of equipment. <laughs> it's that beautiful that I apologize to it before pissing on it, right? <laughs> I'm so, so sorry you have to go through this, right? It's the Maserati of pregnancy tests, right? So I'm there and um, I'm, I'm, I'm on the toilet, uh, pissing onto my pregnancy test and having a cry at the same time, right? <laughs> giving it all the moisture I can give, right, for a clear result. 
They don't put that in their pregnancy test ads, do they? Like, just a woman crying, go, please, God, no, no, not today. <laughs> so, um, and I was crying, and I thought to myself, I know how I can improve this test. I know how I can improve it. Um, and the technology is there. I've, I've, I've Googled it, right? I'd get a little soundboard and put it into my pregnancy test and two little speakers. <laughs> And, um, you know, for situations like this where you're upset while you're having a pregnancy test and uh, when you start pissing on it, for the soundboard to work and then the speakers go... And then when you're finished pissing on it, it goes... It would just break the tension, wouldn't it? It would just... If you can laugh while having that pregnancy test, right? You're gonna be okay with whatever result comes out. <laughs> oh, guys, you've been so lovely. I've had a, such a great time. Um, I'm gonna go and we're gonna, well, I'll be back on stage. I, as Deborah explained to you, I don't know. Um, basically, now it sounds really, now you're like, no, she hasn't, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> I'm your new mom now. <laughs> Uh, um, right, so I'm done with my set and I'm going to go off and uh, bring on Deborah. All right, have a lovely night. Bye! Oh gosh, hi, how are you? Um, do you know what? I've done a bit on Love Island. Let's do a whole stand up bit on Love Island because I might as well. So, Love Island. I love it. I watched it last year without guilt. It was incredible. <laughs> I loved it so much. And then at the start of this year, some news stories came out about like the aftercare process and how people were treated. And I wasn't going to watch it this year. And to be honest with you, I felt pretty smug about it, right? So I was like, this is something I love and I'm not going to watch it. Good on me, right? <laughs> and um, I saw Love Island a lot like eating veal. You know? It's very tasty, but I don't like how it's made. And then um, this year, I wasn't watching it for a good three weeks, felt delighted with myself. And then my sister rang me and said to me, Alison, Alison, there's a woman from two towns away that's entering the Love Island villa. Well, I'll be honest with you, lads. Uh, that night, I put on the TV, got me slices of veal. I was going all in. <laughs> all in. Um, Maura Higgins entered the Love Island Villa. She's from a place called Ballymahan, which is so close to my village that I get my Chinese takeaway from there, right? <laughs> and me and her, we have a special connection. We do, we're soulmates. Um, like, basically, she did my sister's hair for her confirmation, right? So I feel that we know each other on a level that no one else can say, right? And, well, it's weird, right? It's like, I went back to my village in July, right? Um, for like a family occasion. This girl came up to me and she's like a friend of a friend, right? She came up and she said, are you watching Love Island at the moment? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, you see Maura Higgins in it, yeah? I was like, yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. 
My sister started a fight with her outside the chipper last year. It's the most glamorous thing to ever happen to me in my life. She's correct, it is. So... And like, uh, the thing is, uh, uh, about Love Island, I love that there's more Irish representation on Love Island. Number one, because she says the word shift on Love Island. I love that word. It means snogging, right? And uh, I hate the word snogging. It sounds like a shit yogurt, right? <laughs> and I refuse to use it. I refuse. And also, like, um, I've been thinking generally about Irish people and their representation on UK TV. Um, because we export a lot of our mad bastards over to the UK, generally. <laughs> it's the economy. It's like butter, do you know? <laughs> British people can't get enough of Irish mad bastards, right? And um, I've been thinking about it. I, I thought it would be lovely, though, to have, like, an Irish version of Love Island. I'd call it Love Ireland. <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> this is how I would see it play out, right? So we got five big beefcakes standing beside a swimming pool, all topless and lovely, right? And then we have Caroline Flack in the middle because the Irish broadcaster, they paid the big bucks. They're getting her in, right? She's standing in the middle. And then we have a, a woman in a bikini shivering, right? <laughs> because it's Ireland. <laughs> and she's there... <laughs> And Caroline goes to the lady, now, it's just time to pick a guy that you have a connection with. Just pick any guy from the five here that you have a connection with. <laughs> and the woman in the bikini is gone. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, Caroline, um, I can't pick the first fella. Um, he's my cousin. <laughs> Actually, Caroline, they're all me cousins. <laughs> and Caroline's after hearing this for the fifth time today and she's just sick of us, right? And she goes, well, just pick the one you spent least of your childhood with, okay? <laughs> and that's, uh, that's Irish dating for you there. Um, you've been lovely. Have a great evening. Bye. I dropped the sexual assault bomb now you're gonna have to laugh at everything or it'll trigger me so <laughs> sorry so <laughs> ah, sure uh, so <laughs> um, audacity so uh, yeah I've moved to London from Dublin and I got robbed eight times when I lived in Dublin. I got flashed as well. Has anyone ever got flashed before? It's, so I've had two different incidents where a fella had a knife in my house and a fella who had a crowbar in my house. Both were less scary than some fucker at the side of the road was Mickey out, you know? Like, you see that shit, you're like, watch where you're pointing that thing, you know? 
what happened was I was cycling and I heard this, oh, hello. Oh, hello. And I was cycling, I was like, Alison, don't look up. Don't look up, it's definitely a fella that's been a flash year, right? It's definitely. And then another part of my head was like, but maybe, like, it's an eccentric rich man who's going to give you money. Look at him, Alison, show him your eyes. Maybe he'll give you the money, right? <laughs> Take a chance. So I looked up anyway, and lo and behold, there was a lad, and he was waving. He was waving in a really weird way. He was waving. He was waving at basically exposed genitalia, right? I scared the shit out of me. I cycled home very quick, and I got home, and I got on to my flatmates, and they were like, Jesus, Alison, what's wrong? And I was like, some dirty bastards after showing me his Mickey, right? <laughs> And they were like, God, no, come in, come in. So they brought me in and they made me a cup of tea and I calmed down significantly. Because, uh, lads, if someone makes you a cup of tea and you don't calm down, you're fucked. <laughs> like, yeah. There's something really wrong. <laughs> so let's so go home anyway. And uh, was sitting there and they called the police, the guards. And uh, what was amazing was like when I've been robbed before, the guards have a different attitude. The police have a different attitude. But when I got flashed, they came into the front door and they kicked in the front. Well, they didn't kick it in. <laughs> Someone's been flashed. Let's kick in her door. <laughs> It's the only way to help. You, know? you give her two shocks. It's like the hiccups. You know? She'll get over it. She'll be grand. So, so I uh, got in anyway. And I could hear the police come up the hallway. And like, these are Irish police. And these are two hunks of Mayo ham, like just in high-vis vests. <laughs> coming in the hallway and they go don't worry about it at all don't worry about it at all he wouldn't have touched you at all he wouldn't have touched you at all he's what's known as a voyeur right <laughs> and I just love an Irish man trying to sound French do you know what I mean especially when it's about something traumatic <laughs> So they came in anyway, and they were like, uh, they were taking down details, and they were like, uh, so they, first of all, they were like, the offending object. Um, <laughs> was it circumcised? Was it not, right? And I basically had to admit to a guard that I'd never seen a penis that wasn't in the dark. <laughs> right? Because I'm Catholic, you know? You gotta... <laughs> you got standards. <laughs> <laughs> I basically admitted to the guard that I was a frigid, right? <laughs> and like, he was writing into her notebook, not the frigids. <laughs> They've after attacking our very own, you know? <laughs> our most vulnerable, you know? <laughs> so I couldn't give him a good description of that. So then they said, uh, what was he wearing? And I was like, well, because um, I was trying to be overly descriptive then. I was like, well, he was dressed like a member of the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> from the late 90s, right? And the guard wrote that down. <laughs> the policeman wrote that down. What an amazing man. And I think, like, I just love to think of him later on on the police radio going, <coughs> all right, lads, uh, Nick Carter is struck again, you guys. He's insatiable. <sighs> Backstreet's back, all right. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Um, 
so since moving to London, I feel unsafe. I do because it's just a new city, you know, and I have to kind of get used to it and get my bearings. But what I do, and I don't know if you do this, ladies. Hey, ladies. Do you ever, like, put keys between your fingers before you leave the house? Oh, I love it. I call it tooling myself up. I'm like... You pick the keys as well to do the most damage. You're like, which one shall go to the ball today? You pick the sharpest one for this knuckle, right? And then you put, like, the most bluntest, biggest one on the little finger, you know, just in case. And what I find is, since moving to London, I got an electrical fob key. So I got one of those little flat plastic keys to open up gates. And it just hangs from my hand. Like a bollocks, you know, just, just useless, getting in the way, that type of thing. And, like, you know, I'm walking around like an artisanal wolverine, right? <laughs> Ready for anything, right? But this fob has put me off. I'm like, how do I make use of this fob in self-defense? And then I was like, well, maybe, hopefully now, the fella who attacks me, he might have a heart condition or something like that, you know? <laughs> Maybe a pacemaker. And you could just shove the fob up to his chest and go, you shouldn't be doing crimes in your condition. And then running away. <laughs> it would be amazing. I've had a great time. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I hope you have a lovely night. Alison Spittle, everybody! One of the biggest ways that I felt useful to other people when I felt powerless was with the repealing of the Eighth Amendment in Ireland. So the Eighth Amendment um, was an amendment brought in in the 80s via public vote to make sure pregnant people couldn't get uh, healthcare in regards to abortions in Ireland they were allowed, eventually allowed to travel or allowed to get information of where to get abortions outside of Ireland. But like, um, you know, as with loads of laws that are anti-healthcare uh, for pregnant people, it's uh, the poorest people that are affected most by this. Middle class and upper class people, when there are laws that affect them, that are wrong, you know, they have the money and the means to be able to uh, skirt around those laws and it's not the case for poor people and um, that's why I was very passionate about uh, trying to repeal the Eighth Amendment because I just knew that like people I grew up with it was going to affect them the most so what was great was with the Guilty Feminist there was a ready-made audience that were not going to be hostile to the idea of getting health care uh, for pregnant people and uh, yeah I really felt like it was a safe space where I was free to talk about it and I can tell you in Ireland sometimes it felt very scary to talk about it it was very hostile this whole thing which was basically a referendum and a campaign between the two different sides to make abortion legal in Ireland and uh, there was so much pressure it was so scary it felt horrible to live there but then I would be able to communicate with people outside of Ireland ye you know and Irish people and say like isn't this fucked up like shouldn't there be a change and uh, so many people worked so hard uh, to convince Ireland 
to make uh, abortion legal. And it was traumatising for a lot of people. So when the guilty feminists used to come over to Dublin or to Ireland, it felt like a rally call. It felt like people that were all in the same room that were uh, definitely open to uh, having abortion in Ireland. And I just love the idea of people coming together. Decide. I'm very proud of that aspect of the Guilty Feminist that I've been involved in. You know, and that is one thing that, like, it's just, uh, it's just, like, I loved having Tara Flynn on. As a guest, I loved having Lynn Ruan, an amazing senator. Like, these people, like, are absent, absolutely heroes to me. And uh, they're at the forefront of so much stuff in Ireland and they get such hate and vitriol and they're just so strong and it's inspiring to be around them. There's just so many inspiring people that I've met while being in The Guilty Feminist that I have not felt worthy to be in the same room as. And they're all just having a laugh. And uh, that to me is what makes The Guilty Feminist special is to have people that care about serious things just having a laugh. Um, so tonight, we're talking about repeal the eighth. Um, and we were originally going to go and do a show in Dublin, but for various reasons, um, uh, we didn't. Just so Norwich is the second best place <laughs> in Dublin. We didn't want it to clash with the repeal the eighth show that was happening and sort of split the audience, that kind of thing. So we just suddenly thought, we're a podcast. As long as we've got some sweet, sweet Irish love in this chair. Ooh. <laughs> why do we need to be in Dublin? Like, obviously, it would have been wonderful to be in Dublin, but... Well, I just think it's kind of ironic that an Irish girl has to travel to England to do a podcast about abortion. <laughs> I've just realised what we've made you do. <laughs> I listened to a lot of Enya on the way. It was great. She's the soundtrack for introspection. <laughs> so, can I get a shout from people that know what Repeal the Eighth is? I'm sorry. No, no. Phew. Can I get a shout from people that don't know what Repeal the Eighth is? Don't worry. And that's perfectly fine. Like, don't feel ashamed of that. That's totally cool. So what is, could you, for the uninitiated, because there'll be people in the UK that certainly won't know as much about it as Irish people. Mm. So could you give us a beginner's guide to repeal the eighth, please, Alison? I can as best as I can. But you know when you're asked to explain something and then you're like, actually, do I know as much as I think I know? Um, that's why it's called the guilty feminist. Yeah, that's true. You're flexing your feminism. You don't have to be perfect. Okay. So Ireland, as a country, it has a constitution. So um, when it wants to change a law in the constitution, it has to go to referendum. So you may have heard of the gay marriage referendum that happened two years ago. That was voted by the people um, to bring in gay marriage to change the constitution. With the Eighth Amendment, this was brought in in the 80s. It was fronted by a guy called William Binchy, who's a pro-life man. And the Eighth Amendment is basically, it means that the life of the fetus 
is as equal to the life of the woman. So if a woman has a pregnancy and she's in danger of dying, the doctors would try as hard to save the fetus's life as it would the woman. Now, a few years ago, the laws were changed and uh, the government thought, well, we'll try and stop women from dying and uh, we'll bring that law in. But we'll also bring in a law to appease the pro-life side that says that if you uh, procure abortion pills and take them, you can get 14 years in prison. So, well, well, win for both sides there. Um, (laughs) So, uh, this referendum is to get rid of the Eighth Amendment, which was brought in 30 years ago. There's been several high-profile cases. Savita Halepanaver is one. She died of sepsis. Uh, She was an Indian lady living in Galway. Her pregnancy had gone wrong. She asked for an abortion. She was told it was a Catholic country, and uh, she died two days later of sepsis. And that's what really kind of spurred the pro-choice movement maybe about five years ago. It's definitely when I took a bigger interest in it. The laws are basically now that if you have a fatal fetal abnormality, which is when a fetus is not compatible with life, in this country you would get a termination, and you don't have to continue the pregnancy. In Ireland, that's not the case. So a lot of women have to go over to England to get medical treatment or continue with the pregnancy knowing that the pregnancy is not viable. So it hurts a lot of people, this amendment. And also there's just people who are pregnant and don't want to be, which is as valid as anything else. And they have to go over to England, well, go over to any other country and procure healthcare. It's a big debate at the moment. I watched a debate last night on a main chat show in Ireland called The Late Late Show. And I watched a GP and an obstetrician with 40 years of experience debate with a solicitor and a Christian radio DJ about this amendment. And that's the way it's going at the moment. In Ireland, like, I'll be honest with you, I got off the plane in London today and I was a bit disorientated, to be honest with you, because there's no posters of fetuses everywhere because that's what it's like in Dublin. There's lots of posters telling you to vote no to keep the Eighth Amendment and it's with very emotional pictures and language. 25th of May is when the people decide what happens and um, people are trying to get information for forward um, and it's uh, very intense I won't sugar it up for you <laughs> and do a joke to be honest with you because it's quite intense and sad um, yeah uh, what else do you want to know um, I think that's a really really good start and we should say this also affects transgender men and non-binary absolutely people. I'm so sorry I, I forgot no, don't, that don't be sorry obviously it does predominantly affect women but also non uh, you know yeah, because there are fewer people. non-binary people and transgender men but it does affect those people too and do you know who it affects most is the poor because you have to get uh, flights as soon as possible you have to pay like the guts of a thousand quid to get medical care also we have this thing in Ireland that we're also not proud of called direct provision which is a horrible way of dealing with undocumented people which is just keep them in limbo for years they don't get to work they get a very small allowance and if they get pregnant and they can't cannot go and get healthcare because they might not be allowed back into the country or they don't have any documents to go get healthcare. Their only option then is to get abortion pills, which could come with 14 years in prison. And do people go to jail for it? 
Uh, not yet, because the law is a fresh one. There hasn't been any uh, prosecutions. I know in Northern Ireland, you see, because I'm from the Republic of Ireland, and we got to have solidarity with people in Northern Ireland. There's no gay marriage in Northern Ireland. They're still fighting for that. And also, abortion is very, very hard to get there too. So that gives us a picture. Clearly, individual stories, you can Google, but that's the idea. And we need to be doing something about it now, because the vote is when? The 25th of May. And the thing is, if you are Irish and you have left the country, but you've only left within the, the last 18 months to go work or study, you're entitled to go back to Ireland and vote on that day. And uh, I know for the gay marriage referendum, a lot of people did that. If you qualify, you should really come back and vote that day. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I was doing a show in Dublin around the time of the equal marriage vote and I got on a plane and there were just so many people I remember it was really difficult to get a flight and I got on the plane and there were just so many young people going home to vote yes for equal marriage and it was really really moving because people were getting on the plane and they were kind of like cheering and sort of going we're going to do this we're going to bring it home and they were sort of like amazing Mardi Gras flights oh yeah yeah. it was amazing and this is obviously a much sadder like there's no party at the end of this there's no first gay marriage in Ireland and yeah like there's not going to be newspaper or like a TV crew outside like an abortion clinic going first abortion in Ireland like you know that's not going to be happy like that like the thing is abortion is a hard thing to talk about uh, we all know someone that's had an abortion and it's such a hard subject to get across to people I just want to say one thing about Northern Ireland I just forgot to say there is something you can do about the whole Northern Ireland situation and that is write to your MPs and I know that I was chatting to someone from Northern Ireland and they said that if you could write to your local MP about the abortion situation in Northern Ireland that'd be great also if you're um, not Irish you can't donate to any of the organisations that are pushing for a pro-choice agenda in Ireland but you can donate to this charity called the Abortion Support Network which is a charity that shouldn't exist because it's a charity to support women that are looking for healthcare over in the UK and there are people that can't afford a hotel and have to like there are people that fly in on early morning flights and fly back out well actually I'll tell you about my friend I accompanied a friend that had an abortion and I remember we got the flight to Liverpool and it was the early morning flight and we were surrounded by hen and stag parties just having their first point of the day and my friend was crying and I remember we tried to pretend that it was like a spa holiday to people and it was all okay and I remember we went into the taxi to get us from the airport and he was all lovely and chirpy he's like all right where am I bringing you and we're like "Uh, the B pass clinic please and uh, he turned up the radio and stopped talking to us (laughs) because it was so awkward for him don't worry that was we found it really funny Uh, (laughs) so you can too don't worry and it was mad being there because you try and make the best of it so you're making all these glib jokes if you've ever been to an abortion clinic you're brought from waiting room to waiting room it's like a mad crystal maze except except with Jeremy Kyle on the telly all the time and you're just watching that going you know you've made the right decision here you know um, and I remember 
um, she told me like after she got her procedure that she woke up and Magic FM was playing in the recovery room and it was the Carpenters superstar you know that song that goes long ago da, do, 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 do. and she thought it was lovely and then she remembered what the chorus was and she was trying to get up before the chorus which is don't you remember I told you I loved you baby 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 <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we had a laugh about that as well <laughs> and she got like lotus biscuits do you know the ones that come in individual packs uh, which is what happens when you go private uh, you get you get individually wrapped biscuits <laughs> thank you so much for being a listener it's great um when I'm doing gigs, to have people come up to me and go, I've heard you on The Guilty Feminist. And look, I'm going to be honest to you as well. I might as well be. (laughs) You know, there are times where, like, I've done The Guilty Feminist and I've been like, oh, I wish I said something different or I wish, you know, I wish I did this or I wish I did that. But we're all just trying our best. We're all just trying our best. So thank you so much for being a listener. Um, it's changed my life being in the guilty feminist, um, mostly because of the people I've met, and uh, yeah, some of my best friends have been from doing the guilty feminist, and it's been a joy to, it's been a joy to learn along with you, and I feel like if the guilty feminist didn't exist, I don't know whether I'd definitely be a different person. <laughs> in in a lot of ways so um, yeah thank you so much and uh, big up to the Northern Irish Mr. Tato I still feel the same way there's so much my opinions have changed on so much my language has changed on so many different things uh, but my love for the Northern Irish Mr. Tato still stands uh, incredible job incredible job I hope to see again in the future or you know um and i hope you have a great life i don't know how to end podcasts <laughs> on my other podcasts i just sing uh, maybe i should do that um yeah look but you know what while i'm here i might as well tell you um i've got a new show called soup it's going to be on in edinburgh fringe festival at one twenty-five every day in monkey barrel i'm going to tour with that as well I have a podcast called The Alison Spittle Show. Um, there hasn't been any new episodes for it lately, but I might as well tell you while you're here. And uh, also uh, Wheel of Misfortune with Kerry Katona, uh, which I love. Um, I, yeah, I'll see you later. And thank you so much. Uh, bye. Guilty Feminist is provided exclusively from Acast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. 
add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.